Hi, welcome to My Creativity, the podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I reveal how I work, my projects, my process, well, my creativity. From the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head, and to the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. So each week I present some new goals that I've got to try and reach over the coming week, and I recap the goals I set from last week. I'm going to go straight into that right now. So last week was actually Easter. So obviously if you're listening to this uh, sometime in the future, that won't make any sense, but it was your Easter break. And my goals for that week were to go camping with my family because uh, that sort of uh, trumps all these other little goals I might have. However, I did have some goals to meet for this week. So that was to produce an episode of Exit Plan, successfully done. Episode 12 is in the bag, has been released. And actually, I'm quite proud of the sort of the main scene in that. It's it's a bit harrowing actually, but very well very well executed um, from my point of view. Season three of Exit Plan script has been is to be formatted and it has been formatted. I will be sending that out to voice actors shortly. More websites specifically, and this is where I kept falling over. I was not giving myself proper goals. Add social icons to Exit Plan episodes and create product pages for my shop. Now, I didn't get to create the product page for my shop. It seems I keep overreaching on my website goals. I'm going to have to work out a way to figure out why that is. I have a feeling it's because I'm not that interested in doing my website. I want to do all the other creative stuff, not pushing pixels. But I did add the social icons to all my Exit Plan episodes, and as a bonus, I've added my... RSS feed and um, various you know, iTunes and Stitcher and po- Pocket Cast links to every one of my 30 episodes that are out so far. So it'll be much easier for people to now share. So this week, and I think I mentioned it before um, when I was talking about time, is energy. So there's two things. People always sort of say, I just can't find the time to write my novel. I just can't find the time to launch my side business. I can't find the time to practice guitar. Goodness knows, whatever. People have asked me, how do you find the time for that? And the answer is you create your own time. Go back to last episode and have a listen and I talk all about how you are the source of all time and how time is actually just a a, a relative ordering of your priorities. The other point people ask And multiple people have, at various stages, asked how it is I can get anything done first thing in the morning or after work. They ask, isn't my mind fried? Well, they ask, isn't your mind fried? Well, obviously it isn't. But why? So Brendan Bouchard, he's the author of High Performance Habits. If you haven't checked out that book, uh, it's actually, I think, as a podcast, the whole audio book is released High Performance Habits as a podcast. Definitely have a listen to that. I mean, it's 
it's free because it's a podcast. And Brennan Bouchard is a, you know, he's a best-selling author. He's a um, business coach and motivational speaker. And I think that he's he's done some really good research into this. And High Performance Habits is a result of that. So check that book out. Anyway, he likes to say a power station doesn't have energy. It creates it. It generates it. Well, that's all well and good. But I know there was once a time when the thought of doing anything except staring at TV or playing computer games after work was well beyond me. My mind was fried at the end of the day. So I'm a computer programmer, an analyst and technical architect during my day job. And suffice to say, my main tool of trade is my brain. So it's reasonable that after using it all day to think through IT problems and develop new solutions and understand complex relationships between different pools of data, that my tank would be running dry. But I've since learned a secret that put a stop to that. Do you want to hear the secret? I will give you a fair warning. It's pretty dumb. Okay, your mental reserves, your strength of willpower, your motivation is limited only by your belief that it is limited. What? I know how you feel. That's how I felt when I first heard it. But I found that after reading the research on the topic and practicing mindfulness, that it not only started to make sense, but it started to work. So, there was an old school of thought, and I'm talking here of psychology. I think I might have mentioned it before, actually. I, I majored in psychology at university for a while there until I changed to computers because I like computers. But while I was there at psychology, we actually looked at this. Uh, it's a phenomenon that they call ego depletion. So it's previously thought that willpower was like a pool that got depleted during the day. But more recent research has failed to duplicate the results of the experiments which initially described or caused the description of this ego depletion model. Additionally, after some experimentation, it was found we have essentially unlimited willpower and motivation. In part, this comes back to growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go back and listen to episode two and three, I think, where I talk about Carol Dweck's work on mindset. So the short version... And there are obviously complications and subtles involved and so on, blah, blah, blah. In a, uh, Carol Dweck is a Stanford psychologist. Uh, her colleagues and herself, she, she and her colleagues, they published in the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences this study where they concluded that the signs of ego depletion were observed only in test subjects who believed willpower was a limited resource. Those participants who did not see willpower as finite did not show signs of ego depletion. So in other words, exactly what I said, your willpower, your motivation is limited only by your belief that it is limited. So uh, kind, of, kind of tricky to get around, but we'll get to that. So we've got this other guy, Michael Inslicht. And that's to use the correct German pronunciation. Inslicht, uh, a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. And the 
Principal Investigator at the Toronto Laboratory for Social Neuroscience. So, you know, you'd think that he sort of knows what he's talking about. He believes willpower is not a finite resource, but instead acts more like an emotion. Just as we don't run out of joy or anger, willpower ebbs and flows based on what's happening to us and how we feel. Viewing willpower as a as more of an emotion is yeah, it's got some big implications. And if you to think of it in those terms, you don't worry about running out of happiness for the day. You don't you know, avoid looking at pictures of puppies in the morning because you're afraid that you'll have used up all of your quotient of happiness by lunchtime and you'll be miserable the rest of the day. It doesn't work that way, does it? Even though there are some people, for example, who always wear the same sets of clothes to avoid uh, increasing the burden of decision-making and, and thus depleting their, their willpower reserves. And that's just, it's self-fulfilling, of course. So, motivation and willpower is like an emotion. We can't run out of it, but it does mean we need to manage our experience of it so it is sustainable. Just like we don't want to stop feeling sadness altogether, but rather we want to manage it so it is less likely to become depression. We want to manage our willpower and motivation so it doesn't desert us when we want it and we need it. So what are some of the things to keep in mind? Well, the number one thing that keeps our energy levels up is doing something we enjoy and or find purpose in. Another motivation killer is multitasking. I'm sure you've come across this. You get stuck right in, I don't know, chapter 15 of your novel. You're writing like a demon possessed. And then in comes some well-meaning person who says, hey, could you answer this question for me and do this other short task just for a moment? Yeah, so you stop and you answer this question and you get up and you go and make toast for them. And then and then you start watching a little bit of TV and, and you wander off and go to the bathroom and then you sort of go outside and go, gee, what a lovely day it is. I might... And it might take you ages, might take you hours to get back to your work. Lack of sleep, that prevents us from focusing and stops our bodies from functioning correctly at all. I think we all probably know that, but maybe we don't all act on that. And the, uh, the, the fourth item that I've identified is repeating unhelpful stories about ourselves, which pushes a fixed mindset. This, for example, is... At the end of the day, you go, oh, I've got no chance of doing this, my brine... My brine... My brain is going to be absolutely fried and frazzled. I'm just going to be, so I'm not going to plan to do anything after work because I don't, I just don't have the ability to do that. You keep telling yourself that and you know what? You're not going to have the ability to do it. That's the way it works. See if I'm wrong. So this is all well and good. And I said that I, I learned about this, uh, this fact that willpower can be replenished. It doesn't just run out. And it comes, it ebbs and flows based on your surroundings and, and your own your own thoughts. Just like you can be, in any given situation, you can be happier or you can be sadder based on how you feel and what you think. So what do I do? Number one, I eat well. So forget any special diets. If your diet has a name, then... I personally think you're doing it wrong. 
So you know how to eat well and you know what you shouldn't eat. It's not rocket science or brain surgery or rocket surgery or brain science. It really, you could ask the least healthy person that you could come across. You might actually be the least healthy, healthy person you can come across. I know I was for a while. What eating well means. And not a single person is going to say, oh, you know, to eat right, to eat well means mm, have the dollar menu items at McDonald's washed down with soft drink and then you should have, I don't know, half a bottle of whiskey to top it off. No one is going to say that. We all know that's not right. So we all know our diet should comprise primarily of fruit and vegetables that we prepare ourselves. That is, low processing before we get our hands on it. And this is important because not, not that processing in general is bad, but rather the types of processing that we can do in our home is very different from the types of processing that can be done industrially. And it is the fruit and veg that does this good, not the additives used to ensure shelf life and good appearance. So that's the thing. You buy a packaged good, and the primary concern of the producer of that is that it will last a long time and that it will look good. So you'll buy it. There's no concern there that you are going to get nutritious food. That's just accidental if it ever, if it ever happens. So why eat well? Uh, just a bit of silence there because you go, well, obviously. But really, our bodies and brains have evolved over millions of years to perform their function while consuming fruit and veg and wild-caught or grass-fed meat and fish. I mean, you can forgo the meat if you prefer, and many cultures do. So obviously that can be done. But if you are going to be eating the meat, you, you want to be having wild-caught fish or pasture-raised food. Yeah, grain-fed cows. Cows aren't meant to eat grain in the same way we're not meant to eat chocolate. It's just not great. So if we give our bodies what they are built for, they'll use it to work the way they're meant to work. That's why we eat right. I do hear people say, I don't have the time to prepare the food, or I don't have the time to... And we're back to time again. What you're really saying is, I don't prioritize my health and happiness and well-being and my productivity over top of eating crap. So if you start thinking of it in those terms, you start going, well, hang on. Oh, you know what? I do actually want to be productive and healthy and happy. Perhaps I will give it a shot to see how I can fit proper eating habits into my day. Personally, I use intermittent fasting. If you, if you haven't heard about intermittent fasting and you're still of the opinion that we need to eat six to 12 small meals constantly through the day, then go look up intermittent fasting. And I'm not going to tell you that you can't have six to 12 meals intermittently through the day. Some people work very well that way, but not me. And the research would say not the majority of humans. So I initially tried the 5-2 diet, which is two days of the week without eating. Although, I mean, technically, I think you can go 500 calories or something, but I've, I found it best to not eat at all because if I even had a bite of an apple I would just become ravenously hungry and I couldn't didn't want to stop myself from eating more so I just found that if I just didn't eat at all then that was easy but I did find the two days fasting was was a bit tricky to maintain in a sustainable way and I'd too often find myself just starving hungry and not feeling 
you're always just thinking about the food, always worried, going, oh, it's today, I'm not meant to eat, I'm not meant to eat, I've got to wait, I've got to... And that's just, that's not going to last. I do know some people for whom it is easy to do, and they've been doing it for years. Um, personally, I do this 16-8 or 18-6 fasting, which means 16 to 18 hours without calorie intake, and then all your calorie intake is within 6 to 8 hours. And that sounds tricky at first, but what it really means is I get up, I do the dishes. Yeah, I do the dishes in the morning for some reason. I feed the kids breakfast. I prepare them lunch for school. And then I pack a thermos with my breakfast to take with me to work. And then I go to work. So I don't eat breakfast in the morning. So that's pretty easy to do because I'm, I'm busy the whole time. I'm working. And then when I get to work, I'm busy doing stuff. Uh, I then maybe about 1, one thirty in the afternoon, I'll eat uh, so that's that's after I've gone for a run or done some resistance training. Uh, so people, again, who say, oh, no, you've got to make sure you eat before you exercise. Well, that's not entirely true either. It's it's largely to do your body adapts and adjusts, and I find it very easy to do. So I get home about 6.30, eat, finish about 7, 7.30, uh, and that's it. So I used to get hungry. Uh, you know, leading up to sort of lunchtime, maybe about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I'd go through like a phase of being hungry. But now, in fact, I find even, you know, I've, I went camping with the family. So I was sort of all out of routine and things, but I'd happily sit there and have my have a morning coffee and sit and have a chat. Not particularly hungry. or The only reason I ate and camping before midday was because we were going out sightseeing or walking or, or somewhere and it wasn't convenient for me to find or, or carry food later so I, I ate earlier and that's that's fine I'm, I'm hardly religious about these things and yeah so anyway I, I get used to it and I, I think I think for me it's because I retain the same routine and it becomes my pattern and I'm quite the creature of routine and predictable patterns which is to say the Patterns are predictable to me, though others may have the illusion that I'm spontaneous, except my wife. She knows I cannot handle sudden course changes. I I can't be driving along the freeway and then my wife says, oh, just turn off up here because we'll go somewhere. And I'm like, what, what, hey, I don't. And then by the time I've sort of understood or realized what she's talking about, we've driven past. And, and she knows that's the case, so she often says, you know, this Sunday in seven days' time, we're going to do something as a family, so incorporate that now into your brain. Because otherwise, it just I just lose the plot. So I do do apparently spontaneous actions. Uh, when I was dating my wife, I would apparently be spontaneous, but they were well-planned spontaneity. As in, I would go, well, today, today I'm going to do something... Um, I'm not sure what, I will just look in the beat guide and see what is on this afternoon and we'll just go do it. So it seems spontaneous, but reality is I was planning it. Uh, so that's that's my eating. Exercise daily. Again, we all know this. It's not a hidden secret source known only to a select few. We all know we should exercise often and regularly. Exercise stimulates brain growth, 
Yes, you can actually grow new brain cells through exercise. You want to learn something, study, exercise, like to do a half hour or one hour strenuous aerobic exercise, get back and study again. You will literally grow new brain cells. True. So I walk the dog, I garden, I run, I ride, I do body weight resistance training. I don't do them all at once, obviously. Today, for example, I took the dog for a walk down the beach. So I was walking on the sand for about half an hour or so. I did gardening today, which was, well, quite frankly, a lot of shoveling and raking of sand around the place, trying to level out the whole backyard. Uh, And then at work, I go for a run. I ride my bike into the train station. And also three times a week on my run, I stop and I do as many push-ups as I can do uh, and some other bits and pieces. I mean, other people might walk, swim, dance. I mean, the least you should do is walk for half an hour a day. And that, that can be done while you're doing other stuff like shopping or talking or listening to podcasts. So next thing I do is I work on the train in the morning and I watch Netflix on the train home. So working on the train in the morning, I do I write my scripts uh, and formatting them and I write the books and I do all my creative stuff. I've written songs uh, and... Um, sort of blog posts and whatever is is interesting and engaging to me. And by engaging in something I love first thing in the morning builds my energy high and keeps it there. Netflix on the train home keeps me consuming sci-fi and fantasy and allows me to switch my mental modes from work to sort of a more free-flowing imagination mode. I said multitasking is not great and that's because there is an overhead in switching from one set of functions to another set and certainly some people switch faster than others but in all people single task focus is more productive than multitask focus so get on the train i got my headphones on i watch netflix on my phone and i said put all my attention on that so then by the time i'm off the train anything to do with work has just gone out my head and in my head now is creativity basically good stuff uh, here's something I have hit and miss success with, beginning to bed at a decent time, even on the weekends. So I'm up at 6.37am and I'm able to get stuff done before the day starts. So by 9 o'clock, and this on the weekend, I've usually had a good hour to, to do my work. Uh, for example, this morning uh, I was doing exit plan. Yesterday morning I did, I was editing the Alien episode for Space Brains. It's the Alien 40th anniversary this year. And Alien has got to be by far one of my favorite movies. So check out Space Brains. Um, when do I release Alien? Uh, oh, I released, it, I released it Saturday. What am I talking about? Hey, it's out. Listen. So forget the people who tell you that you aren't committed unless you're up at 4.30. Uh, like there's nothing magical about that time and it's a false economy because it means you need to be in bed by 8.30. I find 6.37 get it means I can get to bed 10, 10.30 at night. So I can, you know, I can watch a movie with my wife. Um, I can do some work like recording a podcast uh, or whatever. Because if you're, if you're not getting enough sleep, you do need, let's call it 6 to 10 hours. Most people need 8. There are people who claim they need 6 I would be highly skeptical of that unless they had clinical evidence to support that. 
Uh, and then there are some people who do seem to need a little bit more. But chronic, chronic, chronic sleep deprivation is basically the opposite of being productive. Okay, speaking of productivity, I've stopped watching television and I reduced my game playing to about 20-30 minutes maximum once or twice a week. This was, this was a decision based on time. Where am I going to find the time to do podcasts, to write books, to you know, run a website, to do all these things? The answer was, well, how do I prioritize things? Television is just uh, awful. I mean, it's full of ads. And they show news, or so-called news. Its only purpose is to incite fear, anger, or hate. It's, it's not relevant that I know about a pensioner being beaten unconscious while being robbed in some place like that that's not news that's just to try and make me angry isn't it or fearful so look i can get all the video entertainment i need on demand without ads and i can do it while i'm on the train and it's not like i've got anywhere else to go that's it and that gives me all the time that gives me about two hours three hours every evening i also then write down and you know this one because you listen to the podcast i write down my goals and I always, always refer them back to my annual priorities, which have been aligned with my mission goals. This way, I know I'm always moving forwards. So I said back up there, the number one thing that keeps our energy levels up is doing something we enjoy and something with purpose. When I'm completing my goals that I've written down and I'm telling people about, I'm ticking them off, I know that I'm getting one foot in front of the other, I'm heading towards this mission. And the mission is based on my passion. That's, that's basically it. Every time I know I do something... It has purpose. Now, this is going to be one of the biggest things I have done. And that is mindful result visualization. You'll hear similar things from people talking about the law of attraction or the secret. Uh, and, and there's various other names used. But I'm not talking about magic or the universe sending me things just because I think of them. Like, uh, it's sort of... There's a lot of complexity in that, and it's not what I'm talking about. It's a way of enjoying the feeling of success before you have it. I like to think of it as the opposite of worry. Worry is disliking the feeling of failure before it happens. You sit there and you go, oh, I've got a job interview tomorrow. Oh, what if I ask me a really tricky question? What if I fart really loudly? And it's not for a job as a comedian. Because I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you're actually going for an interview as a comedian, does it help your case if you fart loudly at an appropriate time? Or does it hurt it? But anyway, look, that's what worry is. Worry is what a lot of people do. And certainly I have participated in this activity a lot myself. So instead, I work hard every day to enjoy ahead of time the feeling of excitement and elation from achievement. You, you get to make that choice whether you're going to be uh, thinking about the, the bad feelings you're going to have from something that might happen that's bad or do you want to think about the good feelings you're going to have for something that might happen that's good. So it means I make decisions that head towards success rather than steer away from failure. If you can see the difference there, it's, it's subtle. But I also want to point out that failure is just nature's way of teaching you how to succeed. 
So don't be afraid of that in the slightest. But nonetheless, I like to make decisions that head towards success rather than try to steer away from failure. So that's energy. Next week, I'll be sharing with you an interview of a fabulous singer called Fox Ward. She started singing when she was 18, so kind of late in the piece, as a karaoke singer, of all things. But uh, now she's running her own band, and she is actually gets paid to do that. She does have a full-time job still, so like all the rest of us, she's not, not cracked the big time yet, but she's getting there. My new goals for next week. Again, the standing Exit Plan episode 13 must be released. I'm going to send out the season three scripts with a deadline uh, for all the lines to be returned. Oh, and I have to say also, actually, I finished submitting my novel, This Is My Exit Plan, to Ingram Spark. And there's a whole kerfuffle there about Amazon doesn't deliver print books to Australian authors. So to get a copy of my book from Amazon would cost me $28 Australian, uh, which is... That's quite expensive. It's cost price to print. If I was in America, it would be four dollars plus postage of you know a few dollars postage. In fact, if I was with Amazon Prime, I think they do it for free. So, yeah, it's like I can't afford to send review copies to anyone. I can't afford to do too many of my own revisions at twenty-eight dollars a copy. Um, and I'd really love to send gifts of my book to my family. Hmm. It's kind of like, but I want to do that anyway, nonetheless. So I've got to add social links and see and feed links to my other podcast episode pages because I quite like the effect that has on my exit plan pages. And I've got to finish the first draft up to chapter three of book two. So I'm getting on to book two of exit plan covering season two. And I've already written the prologue for that. I've started on chapter one. I want to get to chapter 3 by next week. There should be about 15 chapters all up in this, this book, so I'm hoping hoping I haven't overestimated my abilities here, but I'm looking for 5 or 6 weeks to complete this first draft of this book. And that is that. If you would like to also get a bit of accountability for your goals, feel free to send them in. You can email me or you can get me at my creativity on Twitter, or you can jump on gravityundone.net and hit contact, or you can just type something or other at gravityundone.net, something or other meaning if you type in any address at gravityundone.net to your email, you, it'll get to me one way or the other. And then that way I can, I can read your goals out. I don't have to share your name personally, but you'll know it is. And we can be accountable together. That way we can all we can all move forward to our goals and our dreams. Who doesn't want that? Okay, see ya.